not happen for an age. What's that? Tis a gathering. Hello and welcome to Entmoot, the Battle Games in Middle-Earth podcast, all about the Middle-Earth strategy battle game from Games Workshop. I'm Harry and this is episode 73 of the podcast and we're taking a little bit of a diversion in this podcast. It's been a while since we sort of diverted away from something other than Numenor and I suppose also Easterlings and I know you hear from lots of different armies over the course of the podcast but I wanted to try something a little bit different for the two towers of Grantham. Um, this is a the second in a series of three, you can probably guess what the first and the third were, um, of tournaments organised by uh, Nathan Talbot. Nathan being a uh, a, a bit of a legend in the SBG community, big fan of the podcast, uh, big patron supporter of uh, of me generally, so um, glad to go to his uh, second event in Grantham, south of Lincolnshire, of course, also home to the very first policewoman, Mar- Margaret Thatcher, and Isaac Newton, uh, so no, although not all concurrently or at the same time even now. Um, but yes, yeah, so very excited about this one, a 599-point tournament. Don't ask why the 599, but he just went with it. Um, and uh, four day, uh, sorry, four days. That would be a, a bit of an epic one. A four game tournament over the course of one day. And um, there's some cool stuff going on. He uh, basically wanted to keep all the scenarios secret. And in order to do that, essentially what he did was he um, he had pre-selected them, and I think he told the GBHL because uh, this is a 80 point GBHL tournament, and um, he basically told them and kept the names of the scenarios secret so uh, that people didn't actually know what they were so they were all named after two towers moments so we've got the burning of the westfold the warg attack assault on helm's deep and to the king so which scenarios could they be we'll find out over the course of the event which is always exciting to have a little bit of that um apparently the 599 points uh, to spend on the force was the number uh, of uh, pages from the Fellowship of the Ring novel plus the first half of the Two Towers book. So there is actually a reason for the 599 points. So that's cool. So we're all excited about that. Uh, very very much looking forward to this. Uh, I do enjoy a little four-game four sort of one-day tournament. Uh, nice and relaxed, nice and easy, hopefully. Um, I say easy. What I mean by that is no panic, no stress, no sweating on game number four, um, especially because I probably won't be on the top tables anyway. So with that in mind, let's crack on uh, and start building an army. So that's right, yes, we're building another army, and uh, not for Mordor, it's another good force. And as I mentioned, um, I feel like I've done the Numenor army to death a little bit. Um, for now, anyway. It's just going to be rested this time, we've got a little bit more. I'm conscious that I don't want to oversaturate you with the same army, even though I'm playing against lots of other different armies and different people and, and so on, and you hear a lot, lots of different tactics, perhaps, from those people. Uh, I'm conscious that uh, I want to keep things a little bit fresh. So, so this one's a little bit of a departure. 
departure from the Numenor quest. Uh, and I have got other things on the painting table. It's not just Numenor forever. Um, so they will be on the way, but uh, it's slow going at the moment. My uh, my hobbying uh, is still happening. It's just, you know, a lot, lot slower than it has been uh, in times gone by. Um, so I wanted to dig something out that I, I'd used before and maybe, maybe, just maybe, see if I could do a little bit better with it than I did historically. So, um, obviously, I've been playing for a lot a lot longer. I've had a lot more experience at the tabletops. I've been playing in tournaments for probably about five years now. Um, I've been running the podcast for, you know, um, however many episodes are on, <laughs> lots of episodes. Um, so, you know, I thought maybe if I use one of those old um, lists or something similar to those old lists, refine it a little bit with my sort of, uh, you know, um, slightly experienced, dare I say skilled <laughs> list building techniques, probably not, but still um, I think I'm getting a little bit better at that sort of stuff um, then maybe, just maybe we'll uh, we'll be able to improve the, the results, so with that in mind, I thought let's go for Durin and Co so Durin being of course an absolute powerhouse in the Dwarven Force, and one of the earlier armies that I, I started with um, in the middle of a strategy battle game, actually, I'm trying to remember um, if I took it to the very first. I think it was the second tournament. Um, it might not have been Durin, but it was certainly Dwarves. I had vague I have vague remember, memories of Gimli, uh, a shield bearer, and some other stuff. This was very, very long time ago. This was my second tournament ever, and I think the first one I took... Urukai too, or maybe Minas Tirith? I can't remember. Either way, it's a very, very long time ago now, and I took Durin to my first ever Ardacon, I think, from memory. Uh, maybe my second, I can't remember. Uh, either way, it's, it's sort of been lost in the mists of time, so I thought I'd, I'd bring it back and see if I uh, can remember anything about them, whether I've improved or whether I'm back at ground zero, as it were, uh, for these sorts of things. So, with that in mind, 599 points, uh, I tried to balance out the, uh, you know, do, do my best and try and come up with a decent list. So I started with Durin as uh, I've already mentioned. Durin um, he's so good, he's got the fight 6 he's defence 9, he's choppy uh, he's really cool, uh, he's got lots of little special rules, um, I just really like him and he brings along with him 10 Hearthguard and so these are the Khazad-Dum uh, fight 4, strength 4 uh, burly guys they can go two handed, they're pretty epic they've got all the killing bonuses they're about 13 points because they get uh, the burly as an upgrade uh, as part of Durin's warband, so you know they're solid, they're absolute killers and time gone by I'd have done 18 of those or 17 of those plus a banner but I thought this time, 10 Hearthguard. Uh, I'll tell you a bit more about why in a second. Um, but yeah, they're just really cool. And Turin's just ace. He's got all the, the stuff that you'd want um, from a Dwarven hero, I think. Um, staying power, killing power, courage, um, even terror, and some vague sort of help with surviving. So it's cool. Um, also in that warband, we've got a banner, shield, uh, sorry, a warrior with a banner and shield. So he's cool. Um, shielding away with a banner. You've got to have a banner. Um, then five dwarf warriors with war with with shields. So just normal shield dudes. Um, and the reason I've put uh, five of these in, and this is sort of gleaning information from uh, people more skilled than myself, including Alistair King, who won the league a couple of years back, uh, and also is just generally a very good dwarven player. He says um, the important thing with dwarves is often to make sure you have non-lethal attacks to prolong those games um, and to make sure you can sort of double your dice, that sort of stuff, to uh, guarantee more wins. Hold the flanks with the shields. So uh, I wanted to put a few of them in, but obviously didn't want to dilute the hearthguard too much because otherwise what's the point in having them? 
So uh, next we've got um, so that's the full warband, or well, it's not full, but it's sixteen models in that warband. So we're getting close. Second warband is going to be a dwarf king with throwing axes. So um, the, the, obviously there's a school of thought here that, that immediately shouts at me and says, "Why have you not got a king's champion? King's champions are ace. Uh, they've got all the fight, all the strength. They've got two banners with them. You can drop a banner from your um, other warband uh, and get a really killy hero." And um, maybe you're right. I just wanted more mo- models uh, in particular. And um, Dwarf Kings are pretty solid. I mean, they're defense eight, fight six. They've got march, so that can be very handy sometimes. Uh, if I'm honest, I'm, I'm sort of going off march as a thing. I, uh, the Numenorians made me think maybe I don't need it as much. Um, but then, you know, they've got a lot of mobility with the um, heroic combats from Elendil. So mm, we'll see. We'll see whether I need it or not this tournament. Um, alongside this Dwarf King uh, with Throwing Axe, we've got seven dwarves with shields. Uh, we've got three dwarf warriors with dwarf bows. Now, this is a new thing for the dwarves. Uh, I think in the past I might have had one guy with a bow. Uh, this time I wanted a bit of ranged uh, power. I know it's only 18-inch range because dwarves uh, have only got short bows, but they're strength three bows, so that's cool. That's something uh, I thought, well, you know, I've not had that before, so I wanted a bit of uh, long-range firepower, even if it's just to take a couple of horses out. You know, if you can chop out, a, say, a strength four hero... Um, who's charging at your dwarven line? Um, you know they're winning on sixes. If they're on a horse, they've got eight attacks, uh, double. Uh, well, so you know eight shots at getting that six. So they're more than likely going to kill that hearth guard or whatever they're fighting. If you've lost the horse, you know there's a good chance that they don't get that six, and therefore your dwarves are a bit more survivable. So I wanted a few extra uh, bows for that reason. Uh, and to round off that warband, I've got four iron guard. Now I don't think I ever had more than four iron guard in my original lists and i'm conscious again that i don't want to be too elite um because you know as soon as you start going too elite you start losing um a you lose defense from the iron guard uh, if you've got too many iron guard but also you just lose bodies and i think i need bodies here so i've gone with four iron guard they've got two attacks uh the defense six but they've got throwing weapons um so another little ranged uh, attack and uh, and I'm, I'm increasingly loving on uh things like throwing weapons just because the extra extra chance at killing something for free you know i mean it's not for free really but you know an extra point or two for that um one throwing weapon and you know a lot of the time maybe not all the time but uh, sometimes you kill kill an extra dude and it can be really really in, uh, instrumental so uh wanted to see if i can poke some holes with the dwarf king's throwing axe and the iron guard's throwing axe uh axes and the dwarf bow as well so there we go so in total that's 14 uh, warriors in the dwarf king warband uh, so 15 there and we've got uh, 16 warriors in Durin's warband so we're only dropping three warriors in total for the max which uh, sounds quite quite good so um you know we're still under the half so we're doing really well in terms of model count. I've got 32 models here, including two heroes. Uh, something, I, I, yeah, I think I think that's that's pretty good. Have I miscounted there? Yeah, I have. Yeah, I thought I had. Uh, yeah, so um, it's it's 32 in total. Um, so there's seven. So there's actually 14 in the. Uh, sorry, 13 in the. Yeah, no, 14 in the Dwarf Kings Warband. Yeah, I did. I don't know whether I just added that wrong, but I've just lost train of thought. So uh, 32 models at 600 points or 599, and so and of course. All of them are D6 or above. Uh, most are D7 or above. Um, we've got bows, we've got throwing weapons, we've got Durin and a Dwarf King. So we've got two Fight 6 heroes, which at this point's level feels like it could be okay. Obviously we've only got one strike, um, which is not ideal. And we've only got five points of might, which feels like a massive, massive hampering. But um, we'll see. Um, 
the staying power should should be able to help me out here uh, in this tournament. So so that is the list. Um, hopefully it goes well. Um, hopefully I've learned something over the years of just a bit about model placement. That's half the battle, isn't it? Um, the strategy of where you're putting your models and um, you know uh, whether you can trap stuff and whether you can move correctly and, and not trap your heroes and all these sorts of things. So uh, we'll see how that works. But uh, we've got more to do. We've got some... Christians. Questions that need answering. Yes, yeah, some questions, questions that need answering. So, um, basically, uh, I, I think I kind of, um, I, I teased you with the spoilery kind of uh, rumour prediction that we had um, in the last podcast. So I mentioned uh, I'd heard some r- rumours from usually reliable sources, worth noting, not the Middle Earth Strategy Battle Game team writers like Jay Clare or uh, Dan Entwistle or any of those people. Um, I've never yet managed them to convince any of them to give me uh, a secret. But... Um, Maybe one day, maybe one day I'll trick them into saying something. But I did get this from a reliable source who uh, was was confirmed as correct, which is handy. Um, he was right last time. Uh, I've ruined it now, it's a he. Um, they reminded me uh, last time, um, I can't remember what that would have been for, maybe the Defence of the North or something like that. Uh, anyway, um, they, they gave me this heads up about the diorama um, that was announced at Warhammer Fest. I think the, the salt has probably washed away a little bit by now um, from lots of people pretty angry about the announcement of this diorama um, and I know it was really disappointing that it was the only thing announced I'm with you, I really am um, I, I'm, I I did get a bit annoyed on the old uh, Facebooks when I kept seeing people getting really angry at one another over their respective opinions God, I hate that. People policing each other's opinions is probably my least favourite thing in the world. Um, Some people saying, really like the diorama, isn't it cool? And people commenting saying, you're wrong. How can you be so stupid? Why are you such a uh, GW fanboy? Etc, etc. And vice versa. You know, those people saying, oh, this is really disappointing that um, all we've got is this diorama. And then people saying, uh, 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 you know, uh, why, you know, you should be happy to be alive. You know, you should be happy releasing new stuff. Um, You're well entitled to your opinion. (laughs) And I'm, I would welcome it no matter what. And so I thought, I, I, and I suspected something like this may happen. So that's why I asked, as the question that needs answering, what basically, what do you want um, from the uh, Games Work, uh, Workshop Middle Earth Strategy Battle Game team at the moment? Do you want dioramas? Do you want something else? I opened it up, opened up the floor to you guys getting in touch on the emails on entmootpodcast at gmail.com. So let's delve in. Andrew Cuthbert, Mr. Andrew Cuthbert, it says, uh, is the first person to get in touch. He says, hi, Harry, just want to say enjoying the podcast. Keep up the good work. I always like reading that bit out on people's podcast, uh, people's emails just because it you know, gives me the, the, the sort of praise that I, I, I really richly want. <laughs> no, I don't, uh, not at all, but I do appreciate it. Very kind of you. Um, he says, with regards to the newly unveiled diorama, I seem to be in the minority, but I love it. It's the perfect blend of the iconic scene from both the Peter Jackson movie franchise and Ralph Bakshi's animated film. Some of us have been crying out for a new diorama, and this hits the spot. Dioramas are one of the reasons I got into the hobby all those years ago. From the Fog on the Barrow Downs box set to the Riddles in the Dark Bilbo and Gollum uh, box, it captures these lovely moments that Tolkien so eloquently described. Cheers, Andrew. And that is one of the uh, one of the opinions. And I, I have to say, I I do like them. I thought the sort of final fate of the Witch King and the death of Gothmog. Uh, I'm, I, I'd been surprised that they hadn't done something like that for a while, um, or even the Forge World character series, like the Gwaihir, um model, which is just awesome. 
So I'm really glad they've done something like that. I think it's cool. I, I, I'll, be, I'll admit I wanted more, but hey, hopefully I'll arrive. Um, Michael Haskell's also been in touch, a big fan of the podcast, patron supporter, long-time patron supporter, uh, which means he'll get a special goodie at some point soon, um, which I might talk about at the end of the podcast if I remember. Um, Anyway, he says, Harry, I'm writing this knowing what the MESBG announcement was at Warhammer Fest this weekend just passed and the various responses from across the community it elicited. But in effect, the question posed was, what would each of us like to see going forward? That is correct, Michael. A couple of key points of context. First, the game is being supported, which remains a good thing. We shouldn't bank that, as it were, and move on. Uh, I start from the point of being content with what the MESBG team would like to do and are able to do. It might all, not always tick my box, but it will tick someone's box. Uh, yeah, fair, a, a good um, couple of points to start off with. Um, I guess the, point, the first point saying the game is being supported is, is for those of us who have been around in the hobby long enough to remember the times when it definitely wasn't, we, yeah, we shouldn't forget that, I guess, which is nice. Uh, anyway, um, Michael continues by saying, but my personal preferences would be something like this. With the tournament scene being pretty healthy right now, keep it fresh. So have at least one source book a year or so with a new or spruced up narrative scenarios and some new legendary legions um, and maybe throw in a new legendary legion or tweak an existing one in White Dwarf once or twice a year. That's an interesting um, interesting uh, idea. I, I totally agree. I think we need at least one source book a year. Um, I mean, I th- for a while we had two or we had a big one, a little one maybe. Um so yeah, I totally agree with that. I think we need new, new, just new bits, new heroes, new characters, new legendary legions, just to keep the um, keep the sort of competitive game alive. And the narrative scenarios definitely, definitely tick boxes. Um, and the new models, we all want those, don't we? Um, the, the White Dwarf thing is interesting because I don't think we've had anything other than maybe Battle Company stuff in White Dwarf. We had that. I think it was a doubles or, or three-way um, game that they released in White Dwarf a while back. Um, I, I've never played it. I, I've stopped getting White Dwarf um, regularly. I, I, I'm not involved in the other systems at all anymore. Uh, and it's just, sadly, it's just not worth, I don't know what it is, six ninety nine or something for White Dwarf for me anymore. I do have a flick through occasionally um, at the shop, hoping to see some Lord of the Rings in there. But um, even the, I think even the tactics are quite broad and they're aimed mainly at beginners so they don't really tick my boxes anymore but I would love and I would certainly be interested in buying White Dwarf again if there were new Legendary Legions um, or new rules in White Dwarf that would be that would be cool I like that idea it's a great way of um, keeping it sort of fresh without overloading us with massively uh, loads of books and stuff um, in terms of models Michael says he wants new models to support any new source book or White Dwarf article occasionally new schools are models already in the range like the Foot Knights from Dol Amroth a few, a few years ago which were a good example and to keep going with the uh, made to orders once or twice a year. Longer term, he wants to, a revisit of the War of the Ring. No, <laughs> I, uh, I'll, um, I'll be honest, Michael. Uh, it may be controversial. I hate the War of the Ring. I just hated it. I, I think it kind of ruined the whole. Um, vibe of uh, the strategy battle game being about individual models and made it a bit too much like seas of plastic toys that didn't have much character. I may I may be wrong if they revisit it and make it good I'd be up for it but it just didn't feel right to me Lord of the Rings is about individuals it's not about seas of orcs and seas of Dol Amroth troops or whatever fighting one another it's it's about Frodo it's about Aragorn it's about 
that plucky little goblin that manages to kill a hero um, in the game. I just love that part of the, the game, and there's just none of that in War of the Ring. It's all very characterless. But um, you're entitled to your opinion, and I, I appreciate uh, appreciate that people are a fan of the War of the Ring. Maybe I'll be convinced. Uh, this juncture, he says, I'm not overly bothered by any rings of power tie-in. Wait for that to develop for a couple more seasons, perhaps first. Michael Haskell. Thank you very much, Michael. Uh, yeah, interesting about the uh, wait a couple of seasons for the rings of power tie-in. Uh, I, uh, yeah, I don't know. I'm, I'm still... I thought I was so convinced that they would do it. Um, and now it's sort of... I don't know. It seems unlikely. Uh, who knows? We'll see. I guess we'll have to wait and see. Right. Uh, Philip Ledbetter has also been in touch. He says, I'm going to try and rattle through these a bit quicker because I don't want to drag it on too long. Uh, he says, I hope this email finds you well. I thought I'd drop your line about what I would like to see at Warhammer Fest, uh, or given the time of writing, what I would like to see as potential future releases. Firstly, I like the release we saw at Fest. Would have been nice to see a little more, even a hint of something more, but that happens. Will be a nice painting project, if nothing else. I agree. From a future perspective, what would I like to see? From a pure gaming point of view, I'd like to see a compendium book bringing together all the new profiles of Legendary Legions together that we've had over the last however many years. It's great having all the campaign books, but I don't want to have to take loads with me to an event. So just a quality of life thing, really. I love that idea, Philip. Um, I really do. I, I'd, I'd back that to the hilt. If they brought, uh, brought that out, even if it was sort of you know, a fairly expensive, uh, sizable tome of Legendary Legions and um, new characters just to kind of go alongside the, uh, the Armies of the Hobbit and Armies of the Lord of the Rings book, yeah, I'd absolutely go for it. How they would do it in terms of narrative, I know they like to have like a narrative reason for it. Um, I don't know. But it would be nice to be, it would be really cool. I'd love that. I'd, I'd I'd fork out for that, definitely. From a miniature's point of view, he says, uh, it would be nice to see some updated Last Alliance plastic kits. <laughs> you, you're calling out for something I think everyone wants, really. Um, for regular warriors, not heroes, he says, and maybe some Forge World releases for some of the heroes that are lacking horses slash options, like, you, I guess, uh, you're hinting at Gilgalad there, uh, maybe even Elendil and uh, Isildur, um, which, um, based on the armies that I've been using recently... Yeah, I could, I could, I could fork out for that. I guess. Um, looking to the future, further out, he said he'd like to see some love for Arnor Angmar. Uh, sorry, Arnor or Angmar, um, and would love to see a return of some of the Arnor minis uh, and a clamour for the Shade and Gulivar to return. But I think there are some fun things that can be done with armies of that era. Yeah, I'd, I'd like to see more stuff from that era. I think Arnor definitely could do with some some cool themey um, warriors and stuff. So I'd like to hear that. Final thought uh, would be a couple more match play scenarios to slot into the current set just to change things up a little. Hmm. Yeah, actually, I wouldn't mind that. Yeah, even if it's just... Uh, he says maybe you could retire some um, from the current match play guide. Yeah, I, I, I don't... I think there are a couple that uh, regularly get hate. Um, like, for example... Uh, I'm trying to think of one off the top of my head. Storm the Camp is a good one that's not often that exciting. There's a lot of slugging involved and often ends in draws. Um, what's the other ones? I don't know. Seize the prize. That's that comes up a lot. Uh, heirlooms comes up a lot. I mean, I quite like heirlooms and contests, and they're quite controversial. But seize the prize. I don't think many people like that one, do they? Uh, anyway, so yeah, that's good. Good shout. Um, it'd be nice to retire some. Uh, anyway, uh, Philip finished off by saying, however, I think the game's in a pretty good state currently. I like the fact we aren't in the same situation as a lot of other GW games, where there is what it feels like at least a game-changing release every other month. I enjoy my painting, so being able to play and paint in a game where I can slowly tweak things and not rush to get the army I want to play with without it becoming invalid within a couple of months is great. I don't think we'll ever get that far with MESBG because it just isn't as popular, but that is something I don't really fancy seeing in the community. Looking forward to hearing both your thoughts and uh, future releases uh, should be and what others have to say. Keep up the excellent event reports. Thanks, Philip. 
It's a good point. Yeah, I I like those. I think, yeah, I definitely don't want it to be in a 40k situation where you get like a codex every few months uh, and the game is sort of completely overhauled every year or two. Uh, Yeah, I'm not interested in that. Um, I like that that it takes time and the the sort of meta shifts um, slowly in the sense that, you know, people are only really starting to to sort of heave straight directly into the defence of the North now, which has taken maybe a year. I mean, I know people picked up the army straight away, but the top players have started sort of really, really picking it up in the last few months, I think, um, which is really cool. I like that it's slowly, slowly building um, and people are, you know, um, getting used to it. And then there's the counterplays and then that sort of changes, which armies are doing doing well. So, yeah, I, I, just, I love that. I think it's I think it's great. I, I wouldn't like to see that change too much. Um, uh, yeah, a legendary legion every, a legendary legion every so often um, is good, and I think that's uh, good for the game as well. Um, so uh, we've got a couple more still to go. Uh, this is uh, a bit lengthy, so I'll try and blaster it. Stephen Ferguson gets in touch. Median time listener, first time writer. Love the podcast. Please keep, please keep up the good work. Thanks very much, Stephen. Uh, the hype building up to the Warhammer Fest reveal, followed by the crushing disappointment of the actual event, prompted me to give some serious thought to the future direction of MESBG. So you asking for people's thoughts gives me the perfect opportunity to vent. So here's the negative one guys uh, prepare yourself seriously seriously though that diorama should have been a warhammer community article and save the community from getting their hopes up in general i want hope hope that the game will continue to be supported and grow i want new releases that are actual playable parts of the game not a big head or diorama um a bit of shade there on the forge world head um i definitely don't want to go down the 40k route of new core rule books every three years but new supplements with some new profiles and redone sculpts would be ideal basically a defense of the north type release every year i think I don't think we're not on track for that, um, that just before we carry on, because Defence of the North was last year, and we also had the Osgiliath box set, which, granted, is didn't change the game at all, but it was cool, some nice ruins. Uh, anyway, uh, before we get into my wish list, I have to say there was a big difference between what I think GW will do versus what I think they should do. We can look at the release of the last few years to see a clear pattern. It would be foolish to expect GW to change that unless the game gains a lot more popularity. We must face the reality that MESBG is, at best, the fourth or fifth game for resource priority. We've seen that so far, there's usually a big supplement followed by a little supplement that they're redoing heroes in plastic, but only once in the films, not book or original heroes, and new profiles get models from Forge World. So, yeah, um, obviously the the, plas- the exceptions to the plastic rule are people like Damrod and, uh, what's the other one? Madrill, he he was there, and the other one, uh, Angbor or something. Uh, I think, no, it's just Damrod. He's plastic. Um so while I will talk about new plastic troops and other new models, I in reality expect a release pattern to match the above points. Yeah, fair enough. Right, now, uh, here's, I'm going to kind of, I'm not going to go into too much detail about what you've said for these, but these are the general gist of what um, what Stephen is asking for. He says, new big supplement, he wants the last alliance. Um, he points out that's the big one everyone wants. New plastic Google ad, new Kingsguard models for the elves, fully flesh out Numenor with new profiles, etc, 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 etc. Totally agree, I'd love that. I think, and I think it's probably going to be next. I, I, I can't see how it's not next. I just can't. Um, little supplement, quest for Erebor. Another obvious choice, uh, a bit like the um, uh, the the sort of uh, quest of the Ringbearer one. Um, but yeah, good opportunity to redo some heroes in plastic, like Azog, etc., etc. Cool idea. Next, big supplement, area door. This is my left field suggestion. Um, big last big untapped area of Tolkien's writing for the MSBG. Uh, 
uh, team, sorry. Uh, so it could have things like um, more powerful Dunedain, uh, Angmar, uh, warriors for like the hillmen of Khan Dum, more Arnor stuff, uh, different dwarves from the Blue Mountains, Greyhaven Elves, etc., etc., etc. Good idea, like that, sounds cool. And another little su- supplement is uh, fiefdoms of Gondor to uh, have a few extra gondori dudes um i think we need more evil stuff so um personally uh, i like the idea of more fiefdoms and i like the idea of more eridor elves and dwarves but yeah we need more evil stuff don't we i I don't know where they would come from but that'd be cool um here we go uh hopefully some of that's useful for the podcast look forward to hearing what others say thanks Stephen ferguson p.s harry you've got to add the email address to the podcast description hunting through the episode to find it isn't convenient <laughs> uh, Stephen, it's entmootpodcast at gmail.com i say it often enough and it's not that complicated but yes i will put it in the uh, description if i can remember um it's one of those automatic uh, things that i probably should just build into it uh, but entmoot podcast and also i don't want bots like trailing finding it on the internet and just sending me loads of crap into my email address so <coughs> so i might just keep it like this but uh yeah i can can see how that would be frustrating but entmootpodcast.gmail.com is the way to get in it's the podcast you know the name of the podcast it's that at gmail.com <laughs> but thanks Stephen, for your ideas some some um uh, clearly not as much shade thrown on the um the stuff as as it could have been certainly not as much vitriol as there was on the internet so um yeah, interesting. Josh Shaw is the final email we're going to read. Uh, it says, Hi, Harry. I'll get the cliches out of the way. Sharpish, long-time listener, first time writing in. Big fan of your work within the local gaming sphere generally, and of course, a big fan of the infamous Entmoot podcast. Keep up the fine work. To business. Oh, keep up the fine work. Now, to business. There we go. Question that he answers. The new diorama was not for me. I'm a player rather than a collector, but I can see some people getting excited for it. And it's a sign that they're still supporting the system, or at least keeping up appearances to some degree. Generally, all I want from our often less than benevolent overlords is to make SBG visible and on shelves in some fashion. Foster that introduction, then let the community and the game itself win new players over. Um, I mean, I don't know how you can say that... um, and after after the Battle of Osgiliath, um, that is absolutely making SBG visible and on shelves in some fashion. And then the community and game itself is winning new players over. I think that that that's what they're doing, right? Um, that's if that's what you want, they're doing it. I I, I can't see how you can argue against that idea. Um, obviously, being um, people like me. Uh, I've got all the stuff. I don't really necessarily want new box sets like that all the time. I'd like new bits to play with, but we'll see. Anyway, uh, sorry, carrying on, um, Josh. Uh, you said, despite being a recently re- uh, relatively recent convert to the system, it's evident that SBG is really delicately poised, and should our beloved game become more potent commercially, there's a chance it would be enveloped into the ever-churning, excuse me, the churning, ever-changing meta-release schedule defined mess that other more dominant systems have fallen prey to. Okay, that's interesting. Um, okay, yeah, so fair enough. Oh, that, that's it, right, okay, there's actually quite a lot more at the end. Um, so, uh, about some other stuff, so I'll read that in a second. But yeah, interesting. Um, your, your your criticism is maybe that the, di- the diorama wasn't for you, but um, you wanted you wanted more people getting excited for it. So it seems like keeping up appearances to some degree is important. I kind of agree with you. Um, the Warhammer Fest announcement was a really big opportunity to sell the game um and they didn't they didn't mention the ruins they didn't mention osculeth because i guess it's six months old or thereabouts um and they seemed like they kept saying that their hands are tied with 
announcing more stuff. But it did feel like, you know, you've got this grand opportunity in front of all of the 40k players and the fantasy players to say, look at how cool SBG is. It's a really good game. And also, um, you know, we're releasing loads of cool stuff. But instead, it's like, it's a really cool game, but here's just a direct diorama. Maybe it's a missed opportunity. Now, he, he goes on to say, concerning camping, which I wasn't expecting. So uh, apologies for kind of hijacking this after the, the slightly weird... Um, camping thing he says the Blair Witch vibes along with some other niche 90s classics such as the Ray Mears reference really hit the spot Ray Mears was on telly the other day uh, although uh, maybe I'm exclusive in that I actually do see uh, BBC One morning programming because I work in a BBC office and it's always on the telly but anyway uh, along with some other 90s classics such as Ray Mears reference really hit the spot I felt the powdered milk was a particularly masochistic touch considering that the conditions would probably have preserved regular milk yeah, yeah, I didn't really think of that when I was packing. Um, I maybe I think it might have... Now I think about it, I think it was just I didn't have a container for it. So, yeah, yeah good shout. This is all about my um, camping in the uh, the frozen wastes of the uh, Peak District for my YouTube channel. Uh, head, head over to Bath Games in Middle Earth uh, on YouTube if you want to find out more. Uh, he said, fantastic episode and great to see some more YouTube content. Overall, a triumph of the human spirit and potential cautionary tale about the overconfidence of the great British outdoorsman. Excellent. Thank you so much, Josh. That's really funny. I'll end with my top three quotes from SBG's answers to Ray Mears. Um, <laughs> crows or something? I don't know. I'm not a bird expert. Excellent. But my legs are just my legs and being filled disaster. Yeah. Excellent. Boorarum, apologies for the essay, says Josh. Punk at PunkVox on the socials. Imps regular, Lord of the Imps golden ticket winner. Yeah, uh, looking forward to seeing, uh, meeting you in the flesh, Josh. I really like that. Um, I, I, I can't remember saying, but my legs are just my legs. Um, anyway, uh, exciting. So there you go. Um, that was some uh, feedback. Um, it's worth noting, actually, that um, on my patron um, Facebook page, so I have, um, if you're a patron of the podcast, you'll know that there's a, uh, patrons event moot battle games in middle earth f- private group only people uh, who are patrons are allowed to uh, apply for it so don't bother trying if you're not because uh, i have to have some kind of rules and structure for the people who are helping contribute and um, there was a nice little um chat in there of a lot of people who um wanted to uh, throw in their compliment uh, their sort of ideas for um what they would like to see um, from the middle earth team and some of the good stuff uh, that you know there's some people who said dull full stop uh, some people who said i'm happy for those who like it but no hint uh, of anything more is a bit of a disappointment etc uh, shout out to nathan and alex for those comments there are more i won't read them all um so there you go that is the long 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 um interlude section of the podcast i hope that was enlightening and interesting um i think I would encourage, if you are going to send emails into the podcast, at entmootpodcast at gmail.com. Uh, entmootpodcast at gmail.com. Just a reminder one more time. Entmootpodcast at gmail.com for Stephen. Um, so if you are sending emails in, um, try not to do the essays. Uh, it would be nice to just keep them bullet-pointed because... Unless you really like hearing people read essays, in which case, crack on. Uh, anyway, so there we go. That's the podcast um, interlude with um, with some with some questions that need answering. Um, I might let I'll leave it rumbling for a bit longer, and we'll do another different questions that need answering in the next podcast, probably. Um, but in the meantime, we need to crack on with this tournament. So it's Grantham. It's 599 points. There's four games. We've got Durin. We've got some uh, Hearthguard. We've got a lot of Dwarves with Shields. We've got some Bows. We've got some Iron Guard. And we've got a Dwarf King. And we've got some mystery scenarios we don't actually know until the game starts. So, without much further ado, let's head to the tables. (laughs) 
So game one, the two towers of Grantham, and we're playing Destroy the Supplies, playing against Reese Lewis. Reese, uh, welcome to the podcast. Thank you very much. First time. Yeah, first time. And you've got your Entmoot dice. I don't know whether they betrayed you or me here. I can't can't tell. Well, I might have to reveal that in a second. I think it definitely came to its creator. <laughs> yes. You know, preferred the creator, definitely. Indeed, indeed. Well, first of all, before we get into the game, uh, Destroy the Supplies, obviously three objectives uh, on the 12-inch line for each of us. We each get two points for destroying those, plus banner points, plus... Uh, leader and breaking um, what's your army and what did you fancy your chances I did fancy my chances and I blew well I won't, won't give it away quite yet <laughs> um, so I'm running Ugluk scouts this all points level good numbers yeah. objective missions is strong mm-hmm. usually yeah um, yeah I, especially against dwarves slow speed I've a little bit overconfident interesting because I I'm, I think um, I played I, I sort of I ironed out the strategy in my head at the start. I thought, I need to mu- push forward as far as I can to make sure I'm as close to your objectives as possible to basically put you on the back foot. Definitely. But I thought, I, I basically gave up my objectives, um, except for one dude, which <laughs> came in clutch, actually, basically won me the game. I mean, yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah, it would have been a very different story. Six, but six Yeah, uh, we'll, we'll get into a little bit about that in a second. But generally, uh, yeah, I pushed forward with my, with my line of dudes. You pushed forward. I had a very long, thin line of guys. So to try and avoid you wrapping around, what, what was your kind of opening gambit? What was your plan? Honestly, it was just charge forward. <laughs> it wasn't that much tactics to it. Charge forward. I could make my line longer than yours, mm. which is a rarity against Kazadum. Um, and then the idea was to just have, like, originally Malher and those three scouts, mm-hmm. and then just try and pick off your objectives one at a time. Mm-hmm. Didn't quite pull it off. I think well, you had the right move. You had a very, uh, when you'd won priority, uh, you called a march, uh, you charged with most of the guys in front, and then you did Malher's march and swung some guys around the head. Yeah. Great plan, great plan, but you didn't have the strength of conviction to follow it through because you, you left Malher and one or one of the guys decided to come back. I'd sent three dwarves over to your rightmost objective left as I was looking at it, and I was thinking, I might get that if I'm lucky, but instead I distracted Malher and uh, an Uruk for a couple of turns, yeah, which, which was big. On the trot? Yeah, yeah, which because they're just hard to kill. I mean, the Malher probably could have should have done more damage really but he'd run out of might by this point yeah, so yeah. he was just waiting for him to get a five on three dice so he should have got it a bit quicker than he did but crucially it meant that he was going the wrong direction and there was only two guys coming around the back which meant that i had a chance to send a dwarf back to protect my middle objective but meanwhile in the middle it was just a line of dudes against a line of dudes and crucially because my line was so long and thin and it was very difficult for you to get your the double ups, the, the double ups yeah. with the uruk and the orc bonus to get your plus one to yeah, crack definitely. through and my guys just didn't die, and when I won, your guys died. Yeah, especially in, towards the later yeah. stages. The of very the last turn. Uh, yeah, yeah, the last turn. Um, yeah. Don't know much more to say about that, yeah. really. Well, it's, it's, it's an interesting one, though, because I think um, you had priority a lot of the middle turns, and I didn't have any of the, uh, the might, because I'd spent uh, a lot of my early on, which we should mention, that I'd basically called her at combat with Jorin um, against a, an Uruk, and yes. you struck with uh, Ugluk wisely, but I, I basically went for him. I thought, right, okay, I'm probably not going to get a lot of chances to kill Ugluk, um, because because bro- Durin would have broken through the line at that point. Yeah. Um, and I thought, well, if I get a chance against, you know, Ugluk, 
Durin, he's very survivable. Strength five, ugh, look, yes, but you've only got two attacks and you had a third one. So I've got three dice plus a reroll. You had two dice uh, and, plus a friend in there. Friend, yeah, and a friend, And two might. And I thought, well, okay, I can probably take this. You're unlikely to be able to kill him in this one go. I had a fate in the, the six-up save. I thought I, I could probably survive this. And if not, I've, if I so, do yeah. tank it, I'm fine, and if I'd kill him, I'd kill him, yeah. and I did. I took him off in one go, spent two points of might, so his Durin was out of might, which that did was mean... It, wasn't it? Yeah, which... I got a six on the strike? No, an eight on the strike, yeah, beating yeah, you, so but then... Because yeah, because you've got three dice, and that's the thing. Like three dice, you're not guaranteed to get a good good yeah, roll. And I I have the three plus the reroll from Durin's axe thing. So it was. I think that was a really good start um, for me because it it put me uh, put you on the back foot because you knew you were chasing VPs. Yes, I had plus, a plus two advantage there already, uh, and then um, yeah, so you were kind of trying to get guys around but I think maybe you didn't commit much to sending guys on the other flank or because you, you had so many models, you kind of got you fell into the dwarven trap of fighting me you should just avoid me run around you've got eight you've got eight inch moves i'm never going to catch you make sure you get those last three objectives and even if i win the the push through your end i'm still unlikely to get all of the things it's going to take me a long a long time to chop through the number of guys you've got there and you can hold me off your objectives quite a long time i think see where you're coming from Mm. my worry was if i didn't commit enough dwarves and you got iron guards the half, half, the half guard, the yeah. half guard. Mm. I was worried you'd, be, you'd push through my centre, yeah. and you did in the end. Yeah. But was did I stop getting to my objectives because of the bodies? Yeah. And also win, winning priority a few turns in a row. You and you had more might in the centre, so you could just pin. Like Durin is about six inches away from the central objective. If he gets there, he's chopping whatever is on that objective, yeah. and he's going to eventually tag it. But you just had so much might in the middle that, that I think you you could probably yeah. reliably hold the line and just tag me down a few times. Tag me down. Really came in handy. Mm. Just just to keep middle line. Yeah. Just keep you guys entertained as yeah. it were well, exactly yeah but it's 11 might against my uh, five so it's it's a big big uh, advantage you had there and, and and i think the movement advantage was good but you just maybe may, yeah maybe uh, i mean it's easy to say now in hindsight isn't it yeah. but I, I do think maybe if you'd sent a few more guys along the left hand side as well as the right hand side uh, it would have been a lot harder for me to pin down you weren't going to lose uh, one or two uruks slipping down the sides of each side wasn't going to change anything but I, I think I played if I don't mind saying so I think I played it relatively well yeah. pushing like small groups of defence seven guys towards each objective so you felt like you had to stop them otherwise they were going to grab the objectives yourself so it's, it was a to and fro difficult game really really good fun uh, as you sort of alluded to a 6-4 win to me in the end very very close I broke you in the last turn by just one or two models two models, two models and it was a bit of a bloodbath in the last turn. I did kill seven Uruks or, or Orcs in that turn, so it was I nasty. Mean, starting off in the middle of hobby with Kazadum, yeah. although it's a loss, yeah. it's nice to see Kazadum win. <laughs> so, you know, yeah. a little bit of Schadenfreude against myself. Yeah, I think, I think that's right, yeah. Well, either way, uh, Reese, uh, congratulations. It's really cool. Uh, uh, Army, sadly, uh, sadly, a 6-4 loss to you to start off the tournament. We move on to game number two. Best of luck in the rest of the tournament. Cheers, man. So, game number two, the two towers of Grantham playing Command the Battlefield against Jason Mountain. Now, Jason, first of all, it's been a while since we played. I can't remember. It must be three, four years ago. So it would have been, in, yeah, it would have been thirty or so episodes ago in the podcast. It's been a long time, uh, and you reminded me that I won that game in of, a game of recon against your Elven Force, I yeah, think. Was it, it was uh, a Yeah, back yeah. in it. So that was a while ago. So you've been stewing on this for for the last couple of years. <laughs> I got beaten in that. We got one. beaten. Got beaten yeah. in the recon match. I had some uh, wilds run off the field or something like that in that one. So you've been aiming to get your revenge. We'll reveal the result in a second. But first of all. Command the battlefield. Uh, so, I've, it's uh, you've got a 
get the quarters essentially yeah. and there's the dead zone in the middle yeah. uh, I've got my dwarves um, just remind us what have you got first of all and, and did you fancy your chances um, so I've got a serpent horde Farhad alliance Saladin is leader um, some fatties some spear supports Raza with some serpent guards some bows Mahud king with two raiders uh, some blowpipes and some spears mm. um, it's command the battlefield you've got dwarves yeah I felt I felt I had a chance I was definitely not unfavoured because um, it's a movement scenario I've got more movement than you I've got camels I can spread out um, and then we got to the deployment you rolled I've one priority which is never great in command the battlefield managed to get all of my stuff together which in command the battlefield I don't think it's always good but if you've lost priority I think it's better that everything's together rather mm. than being spread out and surrounded and picked off you rolled two twos which meant I could pick the board edges so I put Durin and on one side and your king on the other mm. I'm sure you've told everyone what your list is yeah yeah um, and I put them far away from my guys which I thought might have been a mistake actually after deployment because I suddenly thought well you've got you've, you've got quarters behind you you're going to come to me yeah. you potentially pin me in my corner Court, yeah because I was all in one corner but um yeah yeah, I don't that's, know. That's, so, you see, as you say, you, you kind of fancy. I think you're right. You've got, I mean, you've got more models than me by uh, six models. You've got higher movement. You've got uh, a lot more might, which helps. Fight four as well, which is good. Um, and you've got stuff to crack through the high defense as well. You've got those those fatties. Well, it's about eight of them or something like that. Six, six, six. But enough, and I spread over a couple of warbands as well. Plus, you've got poison lances as well. So there's plenty of stuff to get to really crack through that defense seven. And to be honest. The shooting did a hell of a lot of work because you, fo you focused your shooting, so I think you killed uh, two or three. Uh, so you killed all my bowmen in shooting, which was good, their defense six, uh, and a couple of the iron guard quite quickly. And then you got a few more as well, which really helped because you deployed me so far away, you, had, you could castle up, hold on, knowing that I had to move towards you to try and capture some objectives, which really, really chipped me down. I was probably on 25 or something by the time the lines clashed, and in two separate parts of the battlefield, yeah. which really was, didn't really help me. No, well, I thought, because um, I know, obviously, you've got uh, Defence 7 guys, so I was thinking, well, ignore them, focus on the guys who I'm only needing 6s to mm -hmm. kill, kill what, you, kill what you can kill in shooting, and then yeah. deal with the def higher defence with the, um, the fatties and whatever in combat. Yeah, uh, yeah I, got a, I probably got about 4 or 5 kills on the way in, which yeah. is, again, I find with this army, like against dwarves particularly, at that point, you're then losing... You're already low on numbers, and now you're about ten behind, which means then I can get the traps, which means yeah. then I can start really cracking through. And yeah, and, and it starts spiralling there, doesn't it? And 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 of course, I'd also um, worth pointing out that I'd left a few guys behind yeah. to hold the quarters, yeah. which again it's helped spiral that thing. Because yeah. I'm thinking, well, I, my my sort of. I, I didn't really have a strategy either until probably the third turn, which is a bad idea. Uh, going with a good strategy at the start. Um, my my vague idea was if I can pin you into one quarter, um, then and make sure that I die, um, and, and you can't great break through, then maybe I'll be able to hold the other three quarters. The problem is, I, I, I think if I'd have thought of that before the deployment, I think I'd have probably mitered the, uh, the rolls yeah. to try and make sure that I was in a better place because you put me basically six inches from the edge of one corner so I had two moves to even cross the borderline six which is inches difficult. from the northwest and yeah. six inches from the southwest yeah. so you're like as far away from me as possible yeah. the other reason I did that 
although I thought it might be a bit wrong, was it gave me time to then form up, because obviously my warbands, I spread them out a bit, it gave me time to form up into my battle line and be like, okay, and you're right, you had to leave models back. Mm. Did you leave too many back? Probably not, but mm. a couple fled, but... Yeah, I, th- I think there's three left now uh, in the qu- uh, quarters. Five. Yeah, and I had five, so yeah. I think two fled. Um, but yeah, so like you say, that means basically you've got lower numbers, you've lost some from shooting, and you've got some not in the fight. And yeah, yeah I mean... There's, there's, a, there's a terrain feature in the middle which looks like a hall, hall of Valhalla and I'm sure you'll put a photo up somewhere it, it certainly is a hall of the dead dwarves yeah it is there's a lot of dead dwarves in that uh, and, and I think you, you're totally right the, the, and then once I realised oh like, I, I really should I couldn't I wasn't going to be able to box you in at all the, li- the line was just so thin to try and corner you off that eventually you were going to have guys break through that line which, which has happened in all of the corners and you got some guys into uh, contest one of the corners as well so I think I did okay to to have dudes in um, uh, one corner and ha- stop you from taking a second corner by just just by the hair of uh, uh, hair, you know a hair width. I but the other difficulty that you've got is there's not a lot of terrain on this board. Like no. there's some, but there's nowhere for you to anchor your dwarven wall. Yeah. So again, it comes back to that. I've got more numbers. I can outnumber. I can trap. I mean, one thing we do have mentioned is you 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 made a great move for that. Um, to kill my Mahood King, you put Durin into him, you surrounded him after a heroic move. Mm. Um, I'd got, well, it's hard to describe audibly, but like, I'd, I'd set up to get Raza in, who the king was my target, uh, not the king, uh, Durin was my target. Yeah, yeah so he gets, if you don't know, uh, Raza gets plus two fight against one hero that you note down at the start of the game. So you set up a heroic combat so that Raza could jump into Durin, peel him off uh, the combat and, yeah. and have a good chance of doing some damage yeah well it's also worth noting that I'd called the strike of Raza yeah. because you'd called well I'd, I'd done that anyway but I stupidly um, didn't think to then call the strike with the king just blanked and was yeah. like then we started rolling dice and at that point obviously Duran's got the higher fight my king's trapped mm. whereas because you'd called the combat had I struck there's a one in six chance we tie yeah. there's a five and six chance I go higher fight and yeah. then Duran stands there and I still get to achieve what I wanted to achieve exactly. so that yeah. was great play by you well I, I think the, the, de- the decision for me there was I wanted to I thought well if I strike then it's, it's like a roll off it depends yeah, who yeah. gets what but at, at least at least this way I had a chance of killing the king before you got in, in there because of the half and half thing which, which seemed to work and, and even if you did win the fight your strength five yes but it's still going to struggle to kill Duran in that one go so that was, that was a balance more yeah. importantly it meant that Duran wasn't trapped yeah. because he could then back away into the hole where the king was yeah, exactly. so that was great I mean I completely fluffed on that yeah that was um, that was a, a mistake on your behalf I really probably should have reminded you I wondered whether you no, just no, gone with a half and half fine. Off. it's fine this is a tournament like it was it was on me to remember to do that like I rolled the dice I moved the, the, the turn on from where it was it wasn't your you didn't go combat quick roll the dice <laughs> yeah well yeah that's fair but uh, either way I, I think you just as you, as you pointed out, you surrounded and you did all that sort of stuff. So I, I think people can probably tell that this did end up in a, in a, in a loss uh, with me. Uh, a fire 6-1 loss. So I did. I got one quarter, but sadly, because one of my guys ran away, uh, it, it meant I, 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 didn't, I couldn't get the extra point for that. Because if I had two, then I'd be double whatever, or two or whatever it is. And then uh, one of the quarters, I'd, I'd um, evened off. But if, we hadn't, if I hadn't quartered this turn... Uh, you would have had even more points, so you'd have had another two probably. Look on the bright side, like in my first game today, uh, I lost five models to Goblin Town. You killed six. Yeah. <laughs> okay, that's that doesn't sound good. Like, this is this is not I'm that sorry. encouraging in the end. I'm no, sorry. no, it's all right, Jason. Well, either way, it's been a pleasure. You've waited with a long, a, a long time for to get your revenge. I've been in the dojo. I've yeah, been training. You really ha- and by God, did you get your revenge? Like this was absolutely blistering. Uh, so, I mean, in terms of what I could have done to mitigate this, I mean, you mentioned the terrain and all that didn't help because. Uh, 
The middle of the battlefield is is uh, where the big terrain feature is, but that's also an unimportant bit in this one, so it's hard to use. What what do you think I could have done differently, and what advice would you have for people playing this scenario against similar sort of armies with lower body count armies like this? So having thought about it a bit, I think the one thing potentially you could have done is spent some might to bring your warbands in together, because you could see mine was spread out. You could have either spent some of Durin's might to come in with the uh, the king, mm. or you could have mighted it down to a one and just seen what happens on the next roll. I think the fact that you allowed both your warbands to be split up, mm. like and quite far away. I mean, you couldn't control that. That was me that decided where they went. I think that then meant that it was just again because of the movement and that I, I felt and again the, the train is what it is and it's not a criticism it just is what it is it just meant there was nowhere for you to go this is where I'm going to stand mm. so I think you should have invested the might resource to have everything together even though like we said in, in divide and conquer uh, sorry command the battlefield you kind of want to be on opposite sides so you can control more quarters you didn't have the numbers to make that sacrifice I don't mm. think so I think I yeah. think that oh sorry mate I stood on your foot yeah. I think that's probably the one thing I would have done I, because you haven't got the movement either, I feel like you need to push from one side and keep pushing through my army. Yeah, yeah it would have been a united front. It would have been much harder yeah. for you to crack through. Totally agree. Uh, a, a, good, a good idea. I think I, I think I was thinking, maybe it's because I've been thinking with, with other armies that I might use, it might have been an advantage to be separated in that way because I could move a bit more. But this didn't have a lot of mobility. So, yeah, maybe that's... I, I was thinking, perhaps thinking about my other armies that uh, would have been able to join together a bit more. I think the other thing to remember is that I'm playing an evil army. So had you have broken me, there's a lot more chance that I lose table yeah. quarters. Yes, that... That's very true. Yeah, yeah. I hadn't even considered that. Yeah. Uh, really good point, Jason. Uh, thank you very much for the end. You, I mean, it, it was an absolute uh, drubbing here, and you were even rubbing it in by standing on my feet during the interview. So <laughs> thanks, sorry, Jason. Well, best of luck for the rest of the tournament. Oh, thanks very much for the game again. Thanks a lot, mate. That was good. Game number three of the Two Towers of Grantham. Uh, just had lunch, and we're on to Clash by Moonlight against James Dyer. James, first of all, um, Clash by Moonlight, it's, it's the one where you have to kill heroes. So... Just give us a bit of a rundown of your list, and and what did you think basically when you saw you know Durin and uh, a king, some quite high defence heroes opposite you. So having played dwarfs previously, um, knowing how they sort of work in that sort of Death Star, and they stay in sort of a tight ball, I went for sort of a very similar thing, with uh, Angbor and Furlong the Fat basically both having very similar, um, giving out rules, mm. allowing each other to be fearless, during rerolling ones. That then allowed me to stay in that sort of Death Star in a similar way. Mm -hmm. And using those re-rolls then within the Clash would allow my guys to sort of uh, basically support each other and, and just sort of stay alive, especially when the Dwarves are doing Defence 8, Defence 9, looking in, in various different areas. So as long as I could keep them pinned down and I could keep manoeuvring my cavalry a little bit, Jane, I, I was hoping that I would sort of get that behind sooner or later. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, so you've got Imrahil just to, to clarify. You've got Imrahil, six knights of Dol Amroth, and then a sort of mixed arms detachment of the Forlong and Angbor. So, so I mean, this is a tricky one. But yeah, as you say, you've you've got um, you've got a lot of bonuses when you're in a death bubble, and that that's something I want to stay in a bit of a bubble as well. You played really good, uh, some good sort of movement games early on with um, with your knights, though, because because in this one you want to I want to be shooting you because I've got slightly more, well, not. 
I've got slightly more shooting than you, but not by a lot. You only had four two strength strength two bows. I had four throwing weapons and three bows that are strength three. So I was thinking if I can take Immerhill's horse, that would be amazing. If I can take any horses, that would be fine. Um, but you just because I won the first three or four maybe priorities in the bounce, um, it just allowed you to kind of edge off, stay away 12 inches away, and just not worry about um, shooting at all. So you just it were able, you played that early game really well. What, what was your sort of plan to try and... When, when were you going to hit, basically? What was, what was the idea? So um, I read a lot of history, um, and there's a, there's a really famous tactic called the closing door tactic, where you basically you lay up in three lines, uh, you wait for the enemy to clash. If they try and round the corner, you close the door and basically swing round. Um, so by using my cav to draw guys away, I was able to sort of gain the numbers and allow that closing door to happen. So rather than myself being enveloped in sort of a, a trap position, I was able to then trap the guys that were trying to trap me. So mm. it's basically like a, a double conundrum on, on trying to trap people. Yeah, yeah, and you, you're right, because there was a, a, about two or three knights that, that sort of charged right on the end of my line where I had sort of a, a, enough dudes. So I sort of counter-charged with, say, five or six uh, dwarves, including a couple cazards. And they did slowly chop them down, but it took a few turns. And I think that's a crucial thing. And they were about 10, 12 inches away from the central battle. And, and I was thinking, okay, this is a decent trade. I really don't want to just leave those guys to charge um, because uh, I was winning the sort of a couple of those priorities, as I mentioned. So I, was, I, was, I wanted, didn't want them to have the lance bonus to kill me. I also didn't want them charging into the banner and heroes who were sort of hiding behind the back lines initially. So it's a, it's a perfectly well-laid trap. I don't really think I had much of a choice to not do it, though, if you know what I mean. I, ha- I feel like I kind of had to fall into it. Do you, do you agree? Or? Yeah, I totally agree. Um, uh, after sort of turn three, turn four priority, turn five, turn six priority, where I, I got the priority, mm. um, that then allowed me to sort of um, get make the fights that I wanted to make mm. um, rather than get certain characters or join certain, um, like my archers, for example. Uh, the re- Black Reveal archers are really highly underrated when it comes to using the spear support. Um, they're also great. They're not great defense, but they're great as outliers. You can sort of hold off maybe one or two stronger, maybe more expensive models. Um, and that way then it allows your sort of um, death bubble to, to do what it needs to do while keeping those numbers sort of thinned out. Um, uh, but yeah, losing losing sort of three priorities in the bounce, that was, Jane, that, that's, yeah. that's pretty sad when it's... Uh, it, it, did, it did work out. I think the priority game definitely landed in your favour. Um, there were plenty of roll-offs that went my way early on. Um, you know, we'll fight for mostly until uh, Imrahil got really close into the centre which was uh, I think perhaps a little tactical error on your behalf early on was that he was just that little bit too far out to gain that three but once he was in the place he needed to be he absolutely did what he needed to do waited patiently for a chance for me basically to run out of might because I needed to get some action on the heroes that were kind of hiding behind the line I knew I needed to kill them and my heroes were pretty much in the front rank uh, fighting duking it out and they were doing real good work but you were just slowly depleting my resources and you know five might is never going to hold up that long against nine, uh, was it eight might in your army so it's just a matter of time before you could go uh, win the uh, sort of exhaust my heroic move offs and things like that and then go right I'm in with the strikes and you know sadly it didn't work out for you really because then Imrahil charged in struck up then didn't win the fight uh, and Angbor uh, ch- and the Forlong charged in against the dwarf and then didn't uh, fail to wound the king the first time so I, I, I got quite lucky a couple of times but I think it was just inevitable then that you know you, you, I think you, you still had a point of might at the end so you just kept having priority because you had so much more might on the table which which really helped you pin those pin those guys down and eventually chip away at Durin and the kill the king in the end which was which I think was the the big thing here and um, what do you think I could have done differently here to try and uh, uh, try and I guess 
avoid your tactics you are describing this trapdoor ta- tactic so one thing I didn't quite understand you you've, you've sort of spaced your guys out early on and you left a very wide line for my Cav to sort of pick on and yes it then allowed you to move in but at that point I'd drawn enough models away from the same main, main battle line mm. um, the idea the idea I basically I put um I spread out my line quite far apart, so I had about three inch gaps or two and two and a half, three inch gaps between each of them. Uh, the idea was so that you didn't charge two at once, um, and then I could counter charge you. Problem is, I never uh, never responded to the. I never had the, lost the priority, so I could never respond to your charge. So it was only so it ended up kind of just meaning you could pick off one at, one at a time instead. So it kind of didn't work. Uh, if I'd have lost priority, it would have been fine because I could have counter charged those guys put a load of dudes on you and it would have been fine but yeah yeah fair a fair point and um, i yeah I, I guess in the middle I, I i i don't know whether i was maybe too too eager to spend the might i mean the especially on Durin, I, d- I did spend a few heroic move-offs but the, the reason was i, I saw angball uh, sorry no four long was right 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 at the front and there was a couple of chances to just shimmy my line along if i'd have got won the moves i could have shimmied along got um the dwarf king into him with a throwing dagger or something like that as well he's fight six four long can't strike he's fight five so I, that was my intention I didn't win any of those key roll-offs. Won a lot of the roll-offs early on, didn't win those ones for that. So, I mean, I don't want to try and blame it on that because you definitely played a, a really tactical game, but I just ran out of might, I guess. I would have said um, Dwarves' main... Oh, well, one of their main strengths has been able to sort of hold the line during having that sort of uh, reserve backup and during being two lines, being strength eight when they're in shield war. So I would have just held a solid line, taken the charge and come in and then, then waited to react. All right. Jane, we, that's kind of predicting and obviously you didn't get the priorities afterwards but at least then you would have had that defence eight continuously across the line instead I was able to sort of draw in pick off and, and sort of surround one or two little guys and uh, as we saw Jane, those one or two little guys losing the combat then allows my numbers to start building and building and building yeah yeah because I, 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 how many guys did you have in the end did I, so you had only 29 so I did have a, a number advantage actually uh, in this but I guess you've got six knights of Dol Amroth and you've got three pretty good here right, I mean solid hero so uh, yeah as, as long as those knights do the work chopping away at a few extra guard you quickly balance the numbers out I guess which which really does because uh, you only need to kill three and the knights definitely did I did and, and, and also uh, as you mentioned already you drawn one of the or sort of three dudes off to the side kept them out of the game which is a really really smart move uh, you, you know by spending one guy you held up three for three turns, which is again helping mitigate those uh, number advantages. Uh, really, really interesting. Uh, just to tell me a bit more about this because you mentioned the trapdoor uh, technique. How, how how do we try and do that ourselves? Because that sounds a really interesting. And I'm trying to picture how it how it worked in the end because I know it wasn't it didn't exactly work how you you sort of so, describe maybe. So the way I've always described to me is um, basically you have uh, two main forward lines um, and then the same way you would with your dwarves and then you have basically a floating line behind. You make sure that floating line is basically off to either left or right or split in between um, those guys should be far enough away that they can't be entrapped um, basically d- doing a charge so against dwarves I knew you only had five inch move so I had them far enough back that once you start start to encircle which everybody seems to do in, in Lord of the Rings you then have enough movement to move around um, I've done it before with cavalry where you hold two or three cav models back um, and you're then able to swing round from the sides and basically drain, drain trap models um, and yeah it's just it's just a matter of allowing yourself to hold back enough models to, to envelop so it's because it's a good I, I understand so I'm uh, you, you're right I, I circle around you so I get the traps but then you're also doing the same to me so you're allowing yourself to be trapped in order to trap me yeah, yeah so you basically have to uh, 
you have to be willing to acknowledge that there are certain guys you're going to lose. This is why I normally put my uh, my Blackville archers on the on the wings because um, I'm willing to lose them. So when you try to encircle and trap my guys, I'm then going to use my axemen, my my lambsmen, um, swordsmen in order to trap and have those bonuses over you. Um, it'll also draw away from a lot of the combat. So, um, for example, I think your um, your hero went in on one of my models by entrapping him. Then I was able to draw away every model supporting. Mm. Um, and then sort of isolate that combat. Mm. Yes, I may lose that combat, but losing one guy to a hero versus you losing two or three dwarves, doing it sort of balances out then and you sort of gain the upper hand overall. Fascinating, fascinating. Uh, clearly, James, you, you're a t- uh, tactical, uh, tactical guy. I, I certainly wasn't thinking that in depth about my game. But either way, uh, well done. And seven three win uh, in Clash by Moonlight against the Dwarves. Well done. I guess it means it progresses you up and you've beaten some more Dwarves. Yeah. What, what you want? Two wins now. Uh, two wins. Yeah, two wins. One loss. Best looking the rest of the tournament. Thank you very much. Thanks, Harry. Game number four, playing Storm the Camp here, and the final game of uh, Two Towers of Grantham, playing against Pete. And you've men- just mentioned that you're relatively new to the game, um, but you've you've got a an int- very interesting list. Um, Pete, first of all, Dwarves, Storm the Camp. What have you got to face up against me? And did you fancy your chances? Uh, I mean, Dwarves are never great because they're hard to kill, but I had a lot of spiders, bats, mm. wogs. I thought maybe I could run around the flank, but you didn't fall for that trap. <laughs> I, I, didn't, I didn't, really, didn't really hide it, but no. you, uh, you didn't fall for the trap of running around. There was the a flank. large building in the middle, which did, did sort of obscure the spiders, but I was aware that you were moving things. I wasn't that <laughs> stupid. Uh, but uh, So just to clarify, you've got the Spider Queen. Four, is it four Merkwood Spiders? Yeah, four Quite a f- Four, four of each spider, uh, spider queen, and a royal alliance with the witch king. Mm. Yeah, so witch king, some orcs, and some uh, a bat swarm as well. So uh, you want what, 31, was it? 30, 31 models as well. So very similar numbers. You've got huge mobility. My idea was deploy a, a slightly longer camp that's about sort of eight or maybe ten inches away from my camp, not even bother trying to capture the other one. I thought if I can kill the witch king uh, and maybe break you, uh, that'll win me the game and that's sorted that was my plan what was your plan going in other than the flank that you mentioned uh, I kind of went for a game for reckless throw everything into your dwarves and see what happened yeah. I'm not sure I would go as far as a plan for this game <laughs> <Fair enough. laughs> well I mean it's, it's not a bad bet because Merkle Spiders they've got the, um, the the web thing so they can paralyse stuff which did pull off some nice paralyzers in the first couple of turns sadly not again after that but um also the strength five against the defense seven it's a really really not a really good way of doing it i think probably part of your problem here was just the size of the bases meant i could put a lot of guys back into you meaning that you know that they didn't re- and the low fight means that they just never really won any fights and um, so i slowly well my dwarf King and uh, sort of contingent of Khazards and other stuff uh, did some choppage over on the Spider Queen's warband on the uh, uh, as they went around this massive building, which was actually really instrumental in the whole whole thing because it was about just I mean probably over a foot long and uh, seven or eight inches wide. So it, and it really dominated the centre and more pushing into my half of the uh, the board as well. So it became Valhalla. Yeah, it became Valhalla. It's the same one we've, uh, we had, I played on earlier on, uh, which was good good place to collect all my dead dwarves. But but I think that, that was probably one of the biggest problems for you. You had like a sort of eight-inch gap to fit your big contingent. So you could never really get your Mercury Spiders on one flank all the way around stuff. So And I had, yeah. I could yeah. maybe switch them the other way around, I think. Exactly. If you had the giant spiders coming that way, you'd have had more room, more focused uh, killing power, and the big swarm of orcs could have come the other way with support of the Mercury. 
but yeah, hindsight's a wonderful thing, isn't it? But that, that just meant that I could kill some of them and hold that flank long enough that, you know, even with the Spider Queen's um, potential power there, uh, she, 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 again, she didn't crack through either. I think, again, space. There just wasn't very much space for her. What about the other side? What, what was your, your game plan here? Uh, I guess from the other side was engage the battle lines, and that's why I had the giant spiders on the wider flank was going to skitter around and try and head into the camp, which they almost did, yes. but we were maybe an inch short on that. I think, I think it's because the, there's some sellotape dividing the two different tables, so it, it's, it was hard to see, actually. So I just, in the last few turns, we were like, right, okay, let's make sure we know exactly where it was. So you, you were just a, about an inch off for getting one of the spiders in in the very last turn, and the spider queen had a fight in the last turn as well, which... Um, I, I had three Khazards, Iron Guard and Dwarf King into the Spider Queen. She charged, but um, if she'd have won, she could have barged into the camp if she'd have rolled a four. Um, and uh, instead it went down to the roll-off, both fight six. The Dwarf King managed to win the fight for, for the team, and we got the kill on the Spider Queen. But generally, the fight... It was just a bit of a grind fest, wasn't it? There was just, you know, uh, Witch King was doing some magic. So you, you tried a really, really good uh, move at one point to uh, assassinate the uh, Durin. I thought you'd have a lot more chances to do magic here. Um, you did a compel. You spent quite a few will on it, I think, and you got a six or something like that. And, and I decided, oh, I won't resist this one because there'll be, there'll be more coming my way at some point. Durin got pulled out, surrounded by a bat and all these sort of things. I thought I'd be able to pair the bat off, so I, I was not as worried. Um, but the gap was just too thin to be able to pair him off, so that was a bit frustrating. But I managed to scrape through by the skin of my teeth, and, and that has essentially uh, meant the game ended as a draw. Because if, if you'd have wounded Durin in that turn, it would have swung the, the game to, towards you, wouldn't it? Yeah. yeah, and I spent all of the might of the Witch King trying to murder Durin that yes. one chance, because it was the best, best chance I'd have. But... I think maybe I got a little unlucky on the roll there, but then you should have murdered the Witch King on the final turn. So. Yeah, that, that's true. So, yeah, you're right. So you had uh, a, a it was sixes by fours to wound the Witch uh, to wound Durin, and then you spent sort of two points of might on two fives to turn them into sixes, and then rolled the threes, and then you just needed one. Yeah, okay, one. So you just needed one uh, last point of might to turn it into a three, and then I managed to just uh, I, with the combination of the six plus, I got two six plus saves, but I got them fives, spent two points of might to save myself, which was well worth doing because you'd blown all your then, might as well and then you yeah you had a might left and i was mightless on that side. yeah so i knew in the la that, that last turn i'd be able to have one chance to surround uh, with a heroic move surround and, and try a go at the witch king sadly with uh, six dice plus two re-rolls one from durin's axe and one from the banner didn't manage to get the six to win the fight so uh, didn't manage to get the kill on the witch king but hey you know i had my fair share of bad luck, uh, of good luck so uh, it doesn't matter in the end but yeah i, I thought it was a really interesting one because you your your spiders probably just took a little maybe they were too took too long to get into the fights so i don't know how that how that happened but I, it just felt like the lines the big lines clashed a lot later except perhaps because of this big ruin in the middle it just just slowed slowed the game down a lot yeah i think i should have held the sort of spider queen's warband back a little bit until the other side had engaged but it ended up being two separate engagements yeah. and i should have just fired a couple of spiders over into your camp earlier and made you at least drag some people back i think, I think yeah that, that's probably part of you, you were focusing on killing and breaking me which you were fairly close to three two three models off maybe three six uh yeah it's like three models off and i i was about the same for you so so maybe i think one more round of combat I mean, I think I'm probably more likely to break you than you're, you are to break and me. Kill the, and kill the Witch King. And, prob well. and maybe, maybe kill the Witch King, depending on who wins priority. But, um, and I've got a re priority still. I've not yet used it in that the whole of the tournament. But you would definitely have the camp. 
Uh, and I, would, I, I don't know whether I get points for stopping. If I get one person in the camp, does that stop you getting any points? I can't remember. It's if I've got more, yeah. more in the camp. So you might have got a couple of dwarf spiders. Yeah, so. I think I think my, my Kazad is five inches away from the thing. So so you definitely need a couple more spiders in. So either way, all that's hypotheticals because it ended up a boring nil-nil draw, but not a boring game, I yeah, don't no. think. The, the game was actually really fun. There was lots of moments where it could have swung one way or the other and, and the things like the Spider Queen doing uh, dropping all the broodlings, uh, that, that really scared me. I'd forgotten that you could do that, but then I killed them quite quickly, so <laughs> it wasn't that, that, that scary in the end, really. But um, either way, Peter, it's a cracking game. And, you know, you said, you said you've only been playing, what, three, four months, yeah, did you say? Yeah, since September. Yeah, 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 yeah. and, and uh, it, do, it doesn't show. I mean, you showed, like, you, you knew exactly what you were doing with this army, which is an unusual army, but a kind of, uh, it, it's quite a hard army to pilot, I think, because there's so much... First time out as well today. I've never never played with either the Spider Queen or the Witch King until today. So. Oh, well, I, I think you did a, uh, did a really good job, and, and yeah, maybe, as you say, probably split, spreading the Merkwood spiders and the giant spiders out a bit so you had two of each on one side and two of each on the other then that, that might have really helped you because that that um, the, the uh, what do they call the paralyzed thing would have been super scary for Durin because you know he's only got one fate so he can't really do much about it if he, if he gets hit so that would have been pretty scary and allowed you to stomp him a bit more but either way Pete cracking game I hope you had a great tournament I, I think we, with a draw that means we both ended up with one winner draw and two losses yeah, is that right? That's right yeah yeah well, thank you very much for yeah. talking to on the podcast cheers, yeah, cheers thanks spare wooden spoon He's going to someone who has committed crimes against wargaming this this weekend. Oh dear. Uh, Tim. If someone wants to take a photo, that would be helpful. My phone is about to die. Yes. What did he do to deserve such talent? Tim started his day by tearing the Sauron Witch King page out of his army book just for fun. He's got stats on you on both sides. And so he can get a spare spoon. So the dust has settled. We'll have a quick chat with uh, tournament organiser Nathan, uh, Nathan Talbot, before we have a chat and find out who the winner is. He's just gone to the Wii, uh, for a Wii, so he's going to have to hang on for another couple of seconds. Uh, so apologies to him. Uh, first of all, Nathan, uh, you did the Fellowship of Grantham a while back, um, and this is now the Two Towers of Grantham. You've got this exciting mystery thing where you choose the four scenarios ahead of time and then reveal them in dramatic fashion. What, why? Um... I probably should have warned you about this question because it's actually yeah. it's actually a quite, not not the most easy reason. Why why do you want to add the mystery? I guess um, it's a good question. I think because I, I don't want people list tailoring because that, mm. that that that's fine for some people, but not what I want for this. I think it's a chance to it gets people thinking, it gets people talking. Um, it causes a little bit of chaos and controversy when they're revealed. Mm. Um, but it's just a bit of fun as a nod to the films and give people clues. Um, and it also means that as a way to bring some of the lesser played or certainly less, le- certainly less fancy scenarios into the into events where they'd often be drawn out or vetoed away. Mm. So. Yeah, I guess, yeah, because uh, the last game was uh, Storm the Camp, which is, uh, you know, ended in draws for many of us, including myself. And that's one of the reasons that people don't like it. But I guess in some ways, forcing people to play that, it just adds to the variety of the tournament. Yeah, definitely. Um, and again, again, it's not a scenario that many people are going to play casually. If you, I think if you roll it, you tend to just not play it and mm. roll again. So it's a chance to play it, and it doesn't always come up. So it means it, different lists have different opportunities to do different things. You learn new things about your army. Yes, you get a lot of draws, which was 
we, we knew was coming, but we can blame Tomeos for putting the idea in my head. <laughs> <laughs> we absolutely can. Uh, and, and just finally, um, you know, you've got uh, you've done the fellowship, you've done the two towers. Is there a Return of the King on the horizon? There definitely is. Um, I haven't worked out a date yet. I would, I would I'd like to put something into the summer, mm. but well, I have to check with the, the powers that be and, mm. uh, and see, see where I can fit that in. Indeed, yeah. And, and I suppose uh, one of the other things is this, this event sold out very quickly. Uh, the, they had to expand into different rooms to, to occupy it. I mean, I guess that's a sign, A, that, that people like you or your, uh, you, know, you running events, but also the location is Works Grantham. You know, it's quite close. To, we had a load of people from Norfolk, a load of people from uh, Nottingham, uh, from Lincolnshire generally. Uh, so, you know, it's quite a nice little pocket of, of stuff here that you're building a little community for the shop here. Nice, Kevin Games. Yeah, I hope so. I mean, it's, it's nice to see people coming from, from further afar. Um, I, I, the Fellowship one was, was popular. It, it, did, it sold out and that was great mm. the, this, the, I didn't anticipate the success of this one mm. um, I think at one point the waiting list was almost as long as the list of players mm. that actually got tickets um, so yeah we, we tried to squeeze as many as we could in I think we may have reached capacity at this point but yeah it, it's, it's a great sign there were lots of local players well, and, and for, for, for lots of varieties some new faces as well and uh, yeah, long may it continue long may it continue indeed thank you very much Nathan well, we might as well just carry on talking and move straight over uh, to Ben Haslam, who, of course, has won the tournament. How do you feel? Uh, I'm delighted. Thank You're you. delighted, oh, yeah. of course. Because this is, uh, I read recently that you won another event. Um, I don't know where it was or, or how it happened. Or you certainly did very well in it, came second or something on the podium with a very similar army. So first of all, let's just give us some context. What was the army that you did so well with at 599 points? Um, so it was an Eastling list based off the tournament that I'd just been to. Mm. Um, I was a bit lazy and I couldn't have other paint than you are, so I just <laughs> added on 150 points. So I added in uh, into my Eastlings. I had originally had Rutabi and Broad Gear with some acolytes, archers, cataphracts, mm. um, uh, mostly pikes with shields, and then a few black dragons with mm. pikes and shields. So yeah. actually, not not very many black dragons. Only sort of a small six. number. Yeah. I had six black dragons out of my 600 point list um, and then three acolytes and those models kind of spread the fight four so I had just about enough as a fight four phalanx mm. um, to cover cover me. Yeah, and I mean these new heroes, the Broadgear and Rotabi, they've kind of been overshadowed by the, the might of the Dragon Emperor. Um, why have you gone with uh, Broadgear and Rotabi over what everyone says is, is an OP model that is very good? Um, I wanted numbers in my list. I wanted as much as many models as I could get into my list. And Brogue and Rutabi actually do quite a bit of damage. Mm. Um, Brogue's spells have such a threat. And then Rutabi, with her fight six and master of battle, and then her special rule of rerolling all failed wounds, can do some serious damage. When trapped, yeah. Yeah, when trapped, yeah. yeah. And, and I suppose that, that one thing that I used to, before these new heroes came along, one thing I used to really struggle with with uh, Easterling armies is, is lack of might. And Rotabi and Brogge have solved that problem so well. Brogge just having that extra one is perfect. Yeah. Uh, Rotabi with the three plus the, the Master of Battle is brilliant. And obviously you've dropped a captain in there. And some people would drop a, a, a Dragon Knight in there for the extra killing power. Is, is this, again, because you just want extra might and more bodies and that's a little bit more expensive for a Dragon Knight? Um, yes, my captain doesn't have a shield right. to sa save on those five points. Um, I'm also quite scared of magic when it comes to playing it, and the Dragon Knight's got none. Mm. Um, yeah, so no he, will, no, yeah, only two no wins, wills. no fate. Yeah, yeah so he's, he's a bit of a toy um, mm. to a lot of 
uh, Witch Kingdom. There are quite a lot of them. Yeah, they are kicking about a bit. And so, uh, what, just finally, uh, you know, the, a lot of this involved movement, and you have got one cataphract with no, you got a, yeah, cataphract with a drummer and a, a, a captain. So very little mounted, but obviously the the movement advantage comes from the drum. Uh, we had command the battlefield, destroy the supplies. Uh, I can't remember all of them, but uh, a, a couple of movement ones, um, that, uh, and some the camp in the end. So, so, do you think this sort of these scenarios kind of landed perfectly for you, or or do you think that this army is just good generally? Um, I think it's quite a good all round list actually. Mm. Um, it, it's not going to shine in anything, but it can do quite well overall because it's got a lot of tricks and toys to it particularly mm. with the heroes um so yeah 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 okay so yeah it, it, i think you're right it is a good all-rounder and i guess player skill has to come into this did you have any particularly difficult matchups or, or or particularly clever moments that you thought you did something really smart and you've patted yourself on your back for <laughs> um no. <laughs> <laughs> oh, go on. You must have done something um, good. You must have done... Because you've, you've won four games in a row, right? You've got four wins. And now I'm on three wins, one draw. Ah, okay. Um, to storm the camp? Uh, no, my draw was in uh, Destroy the Supplies, oh, and okay. I was against uh, Mounted Rohan and Mounted Wind's Turth. Right, um, so they got a lot of... Uh, so lot they just of came straight to me. Yeah, okay, yeah. Um, but I managed to get a draw out of that game. Um, and well, yeah, no, that was quite quite a hard one to get a draw out. If they've got so much movement, and you, I mean, yes, you have movement, but not not as much. But so, was it? Is it just a simple sort of grinding the enemy out, or is there are, are there plays that people need to be thinking um, of when they've got Eastlings or up against them? Um, I think I think it's it's good good at grinding, and then you can do certain tricks with with the heroes. Um, one that worked really well for Clash was to get Brogge to Tremor the hero and then for Rutabi to then go in and clean up mm. after they've been knocked prone so then she's getting her re-rolled failed wounds yeah. because they are trapped um, and they'll try and strike but then because of the master battle you can sometimes get that back for yeah. free um, and that worked really well yeah what hero was that um, to, which I took out yeah uh, Nazog Fimble and then a captain you did that all, all three of them Yes, I think it was. I, did, I didn't. I didn't have enough time to get to the third, the, the fourth hero out of the list. Well, because Hunter Orcs, you know, at six hundred points, um, I know Will Champion, who regular on this podcast, uh, one of the GBHL League winners twice now. Uh, he really, really rates them uh, at this point. So they're they're quite a tough nut to crack. Strength four, um, you know, two attacks, lots and lots of bodies and lots of might as well. So that that must have been a t- tough matchup. Yeah, that was quite tough. Um, managed to find myself a choke point um, and encourage them into me. Um, ah, yeah. and then I was able to fight there and basically take a hero at a time yeah, for and you've got the pikes as well so you've got a good advantage and sort of thing well uh, Ben uh, thank you very much for talking to me in the podcast I know you was it second that you came in into the west which is a, an, another big tournament yeah. so this is uh, uh, what's that you get 95 points for a second in a 100 point uh, thing for the Great British Hobbit League now you've got 80 so you'll be you know you'll be relatively high in, up in the league so uh, maybe we'll be talking to you at the end of the year as, as one of those uh, GBHL uh, champions we'll never, we'll, we'll never know but <laughs> we'll either way know. well done for this one <laughs> cheers thank you very much Harry what a rip-roarer of an event. Um, perhaps not my best performance ever, it would be fair to say. I've, I've really enjoyed this tournament. It's really nice to get the dwarves out. Um, it's made me realise um, how different playing dwarves is to Numenor. I think I was kind of relying on them, and I've become very reliant on spears, um, little little things like that that just 
just I really need to practice on. But it was great. I uh, really enjoyed the, the the games. All of the games were a, a pleasure. Uh, Jason um, absolutely destroyed me in the second game, and uh, thank you very much for doing so, Jason. It, it really it really was a, a, a hell of a quick game um, and a, a great great one. But it really showcased the the power of that um, that Serpent Horde Farhad army, which he had uh, excellent stuff. Really enjoyed that game. Uh, I really enjoyed all of the games. Uh, Reese, uh, Jason, uh, James, and Pete's. Uh, uh, games uh, even the last um the last game being a nil nil draw um you know these these things happen um I, I storm the camp's just rubbish for that sort of stuff but it was a great uh, great tournament and i really enjoyed um getting the dwarves out again uh, i hope you enjoyed hearing uh, hearing some of those little battle reports um about the uh, the dwarven the dwarven kingdoms and maybe they'll come back again i do feel like i, I like them i really do love playing with dwarves um I don't know. I don't know. Can I make them good? I don't know. Maybe not. Uh, either way, you're not going to find out for a while because uh, that was a one-time only. We'll bring back some of the one-time onlys uh, again in the future just to keep things spiced up um, in, uh, as we sort of progress through the, the Numenor quests and stuff like that. So um, in terms of what's on the agenda uh, on the horizon, um, we will be playing a bit more Numenor for a while. Um, I've got one more podcast. Of, I think I've been teasing to this every single podcast for a while. Um, I've got the um, the Slow Grow League podcast, which I need to do, um, which is now finished. Um, it's all complete. The the final games were, were done recently, um, so we've got that uh, that Slow Grow all under control and hopefully we'll be hearing that podcast the next one uh, I've also got the Warhammer World Team Championships very excited about this uh, this is going to be my first ever attempt with a Last Alliance themed army that isn't Gilgalad and um, uh, isn't Gilgalad and Elendil so uh, yeah, we'll find out what's happening there I think we well I suppose I did Glorfindel at one point but that's not really the same so um, this is a really cool uh, Last Alliance list that I really like uh, and hopefully hopefully will yield great success for uh, for me so we'll find out uh, how, what exactly that is um, soon um, I don't know how I'm going to do the Warhammer World Team Championships because it's weird because you've got three players uh, sorry four players in each team so I'll be talking to my teammates I guess and we have to kind of plan who plays what armies and when and how it all works so it's all a bit confusing i'll try and explain it a bit better uh, in a couple of episodes time or maybe one episode time depending on the order of things um and we'll see how that one works so it'd be cool to hear from my teammates as to for example why they've thrown me under the bus or why they've chosen me to play against x army that sort of stuff um it might be a bit more complicated uh, than that but uh, looking forward to that with the guys coming from down from scotland um it's gonna be great fun uh, so hopefully we'll chat for them in a couple of podcast time see if the last alliance can do some good work very exciting in the meantime thank you so much everyone for getting in touch with the podcast once again uh, really really appreciate your support um I'm, i did tease again to um the exciting patron support news uh, some people who have been supporting the patron and for a very long time and are still supporting now are getting uh, special prizes essentially um, so I will uh, deal with that via the patron pages uh, if you want to join that feel free join it get yourself some patron goodies you get like an Edmute dice you get like an Edmute widget thing um, and soon there's even going to be extra special exciting patron uh, uh, Edmute themed notepad and pencils mm, yes I know it's only little things, but it's little little tokens of my gratitude. You can maybe use those notepad and pencils uh, with the super theme Entmoot 
uh, end on it and you can uh, maybe use them to keep a track of your might will and fate for your next event with that in mind thanks very much uh, feel free to send emails to entmootpodcast at gmail.com I'll put it in the description Stephen don't worry <laughs> all the best thanks very much for listening Burrarum. Burrarum.